This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. Happy to be with you once again. We've got an opportunity to break down the latest edition of the February National Signing Day, as we discussed earlier this week in our initial episode of the week with Tyler Calvaruzzo. It's a very different format in the college football recruiting calendar than, than those of us who have covered this industry for a while. There was a time when that first day, first Wednesday in February was the day you circled on your calendar and you worked your way up to it, and you did a whole lot in that one day. Of course, so much is accomplished now by Penn State and other programs across America during the early December signing period. But there was a name that emerged back in December. Penn State put out a late offer. It was prevalent on this on this podcast in a lot of our coverage at Lions247.com. Chimdi Ono rose all the way inside the top 200 overall in 24-7 sports rankings at the offensive tackle position out of Dundalk High School down in Maryland. And now we have an opportunity to bring in his head coach, a guy who has seen this rise at first hand, has a good insight on what exactly Penn State is bringing on board with this last edition for the 2023 recruiting class. And we bring him in right now, Tom Abel, who, uh, as I said, you've gotten a great look. You've heard the conversations that led to Wednesday. Let me first say congratulations to you, the program, and Chimdi uh, for getting to the finish line. I know he was one of several members of your program who announced their college plans on Wednesday. So tip of the cap to you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, appreciate you having me on. Um, can't say enough good things about Chimney and the type of guy you guys are getting. Yeah, well, let's get right into it because this is a guy who was committed to Old Dominion for some time. We know Ricky Ronnie pretty well from his time as the offensive coordinator here, but those Power 5 programs started knocking on your door and his door uh, as, as his senior season came to a close. When did you start to get an indication that something big, a major shift was occurring in his recruitment? Um, it's funny. Everything these days is recruiting wise is whether it's on social media. Um, so Chimney, I remember it. Chimney texted me one day and he was like, coach, I keep getting all these followers like from big time programs. And I'm like, huh? Okay. Um, so from there, it kind of just exploded. It was pretty swift. It wasn't like a, like a slow process as far as like the big power fives coming in. Um, uh, Rutgers broke it open. Um, Rutgers was first with um, from Coach Marquise Watson was the first one to to reach out and offer Chimney, and from there it just um, you know skyrocketed, and, and here we are now. Yeah, and, and uh, you, just to quickly go over some of those offers that came his way uh, after Thanksgiving, just want to remind people how quickly this all happened: Rutgers, Syracuse, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Colorado, uh, Maryland. 
Michigan State, Ole Miss, and Penn State. We know that he made those January visits also to East Lansing, down to Oxford, Mississippi. He was here in Happy Valley. And before the early signing period, he got over to Rutgers for an official visit. Uh, what did you witness as a, as a player of Chimpy's stature here is getting all this love, the rankings rise, everything. He's basically having to pack like two years worth of a recruiting process into maybe two months. Yeah, I, it's a crazy process um, for him. Um, but I can't say enough good things about Chimby and the way he handled it. Um, you know, it was tough. It was tough to honestly decommit from ODU. They had been, you know, they had been very good to Chimby. Coach Ronnie, Coach Dupuis, um, I know those are, you know, Penn State guys from you got free from, uh, you know, from an earlier in the uh, calendar year, I guess you want to call it. But um, they were great. Um, they were great to Chimby. They were great in the process. They were thorough. Um, they were honest. They were upfront. So that was hard for Chimney to do. Um, you know, his his big thing, you know, for Chimney was I, didn't, I don't want to leave any stone unturned. He wanted to make sure that he made the best decision for him um, and his family. Um, and that was always important for him. Um, so, you know, when the offer started coming, you know, I remember very vividly, he's just like, hey, coach, I, I really feel like I got to just take the visit. And, you know, and he was like, what do you think? And I said, Chimney, I don't care where you go as long as you're happy. And that's, that's where it went. And that's here we are. Now that's what he decided to do. We have essentially been introduced to Chimdi as a blue chip prospect at this point, you know, in well inside the top 200 guys going to be on campus this summer and getting to work with the Penn state and any lions. Can you take us back further though, and tell us about maybe the origins of your relationship and where it really started to materialize that, that this guy was going to play division one football. So, um, so I've been on staff at Dundalk now, um, for three years. So I first came here and I took, over, I was the defensive coordinator for two years. Um, and then I took over as the head coach this past uh, February. So now I've been a full calendar year as the head coach. Um, so right away, you know, I, I came here. I didn't really know much about Dundalk. I'm a Southern Maryland guy. Um, I played for Jerry Franks at Huntington High School. Um, so I've never really, um, you know, I, I live in the Baltimore area. I've been around, but I really was, I'm a DC, like Southern Maryland type of guy. That's where I've been most of my career. Um, or where I'm from. So anyways, long story short, um, with Chimdi, um, I got here and I saw all this abundance of talent, to be honest with you guys. Um, I, I'm very proud that Chimdi has kind of gotten the attention to the school, um, but we have a ton of great players. So the first thing I seen was this sophomore 6'6 kid. I'm like, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's Chimdi. I'm like, he's going to be a division one football player. And they're like, mm -hmm. he's only played one year of football coach. I'm like, you can't teach that. And that's what I kept telling the, you know, the coaching staff. And um, so unfortunately sophomore year for him, it was the COVID season. It was a COVID year for us in high school. So we only got like four games, five games. Um, and <laughs> Chindy was actually not the starter as a sophomore on offense at, at left tackle. He was a, uh, he was like the sixth man. Um, and we had another tackle that was bigger than Chindy in front of him. That's um, at a junior college in Oklahoma. And it's like Chindy's like big brother mentor. Um, but Chimdy played defensive end for me. And I was like, well, this kid's going to get on the field. We're going to play him somewhere. Um, and that's kind of how it materialized. Me and Chimdy would just talk. Um, and I would just tell him, hey, like, if you really commit yourself to this, you can be very good. Um, and then so after that sophomore year and that transition year, like in the junior year and then throughout junior year, he really started taking the process seriously. Um, his recruiting was slow, though. It was definitely slow. Um, the junior film was good, but it's, it doesn't pop quite like the senior year tape does. And I think everyone's kind of seen that big difference. Um, so recruiting was slow. Like a lot of people were like, man, he's good. He's going to be athletic. But I think the track numbers um, is what really threw people like, whoa, wait a minute. Who is, who is this guy? 
Yeah, and I want to get into that in a second because this is a really remarkable multi-sport athlete at the high school level. Penn State has a few of those in this class. Uh, but looking back, when, when you first encountered Chimdi, I've heard this story a bunch of different times from a bunch of different high school coaches where they saw a kid in the hallway or they showed up and, and they saw him in the weight room and he's six foot six, they see a ball of clay, but oftentimes you're still looking for a few key things. Aggression is a very important part of that. And then the ability to pack on that weight and fill out that frame. Where was Chindi in terms of weight when, when you maybe you know joined the program? We've got him listed at 270 pounds right now. Perhaps he's even north of that. Right. Uh, you, you nailed it. You do. You see these you see these kids like, you know, as, as like a ball of clay and, you know, what you can mold. Um, Chimney was a basketball player. So we got him off mm -hmm. the basketball court like he in his if you guys you know listen to his signing ceremony. He said, like, I was a, I was a hooper. That's what he tells everybody. And he was serious. Like we had to beg him to come play football um, at Dundalk High School. And he had a miserable time as a freshman. He'll tell you he'll be honest about it. Um, but he didn't quit. He's not a quitter. That's just not in his nature. That's not who he is. Um, so the sophomore year, like I said, came back, did this thing, played fairly well. And then junior, senior year, obviously took off. Um, but Chimdi, they, the aggression part, right, that piece of it was definitely – it was there. It just – he was – it was like a, I was a step – he was a step slow, right? He couldn't – he was still processing, still trying to understand schemes and things like that. And he was too worried about messing up, right, and, you know, getting yelled at or whatever it may be. Um, so when that bulb clicked for him – he became he became pretty pretty good pretty fast. So like that junior that junior senior year, um, definitely definitely big change for him. And then physically, I mean, uh, how much oh, growth what, what went on here in the last few years? Oh, so he's always been six five six six. He's always been that tall that I can remember him. Um, I'm not very tall, so he looks tall to me every day. It doesn't change. But um, as far as the weight goes, like. He was a little, he was a little doughy um, as a sophomore. It was COVID. I mean, the kids had been inside. Um, the only thing they were getting to come out was to play, to play sports, you know, so all the football and soccer and baseball, all those out, you know, those outdoor ones, you know, basketball, unfortunately didn't get to play. So he had no choice, but to love football. That was the only thing he could do. Um, but the weight, as far as that goes, he, he's sitting about 270 um, or was, he's about 282 right now. Um, so he's already put on about 10 to 12 pounds, even with basketball season going on. Um, He's been working out. He's been consistent with it. Um, he has weight training with me second period of the day. So we work out. Um, he has a great frame and he, he, he holds the weight very well. You, he doesn't look any bigger to me, right? I see him every day, but um, tremendous worker loves, loves the weight room, loves being a part of it. Um, and like I said, he's already up 12 pounds from the last time um, that there was a height weight. So. What do you think that Penn State and the coaching staff, Phil Troutwine, James Franklin, were able to accomplish with, with what they did in, in the leading up to his visit, upon that visit, and then after the visit to ensure that they were the choice that he felt most comfortable with on Wednesday? So I'll start with Coach Troutwine. I mean, uh, Troutwine, he came in um, to watch, uh, you know, and watch practice, watch Chimney at practice. And that was pretty, it was pretty good because he didn't come in and just throw an offer at Chimney. Hmm. Like he came was, in, he this was, this was last, this was this past fall. Right. Okay. Um, it, this was, yeah. So he comes and he comes in, he watches um, and he looks at me like, coach, I like what I see. Like I'm going to go talk to coach Franklin. We're going to evaluate and see where to go from there. Um, and I'm like, all right. I, you know, I, I didn't know. I, you know, coach, he wasn't giving me a lot of indication. I didn't know if it was a scholarship offer or, or what it was going to be. So I was like, okay, well, so I went to Chinese. like, what'd you think? And he was like, I, you know, I like Penn State. That'd be cool. Like, didn't think they'd come. You know, he just kind of still in shock. 
And um, and I got a call later on, like, hey man, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna offer Chimdi. Um, we love him. We watched his tape. We dissected the film. Great. So um, Chimdi was excited. He was ecstatic. Um, I think he Penn State was the first visit he set up. I think in that was that that January period. You know, mm-hmm. the first one that he set up. So that was cool. Um, and then during the visit, Chimdi said he felt like home. That was the biggest thing for him is he felt like home. He felt comfortable. Um, he felt like he could, you know, if he needed to get home for anything, he could get home still. Um, so a lot of that played into it. Um, he said it was, he said it was a great environment. He said, I mean, I, he could tell you all the things he loved, but he had a great time. And then post, um, continue to make him feel loved, continue to make him feel wanted. Um, coach Franklin and coach and coach Trout did a great job. Um, and the rest of the staff, I mean, I know that those are the only two that we're mentioning, but you know, they did a great job recruiting him and, you know, whether it be graphics or just calls or checking in on his mom and talking to mom, um, or, you know, what have you. They did, I think they did a great job. And I think that for Chimney, it meant a lot to him to show that you're going to consistently show um, the same love and, you know, I guess want um, for him. And that was a big deal for him. There, there are a couple ends of the spectrum on signing day for prospects, especially when they've kind of been thrown into the fire late like Chimney was. Either they're waking up and they're in, in a sweat and they're panicking or they're waking up and they're calm and they're collected and they're ready to get it done. What kind of a, a mindset did you see from Chimney in your interactions yesterday? Chimney's, Chimney, uh, from yesterday, Chimney was excited. You could tell he was excited. He had already known what he was going to do. Um, I'm, you know, as a coach, you know, it's hard, you know, at the end of the day, you've built, you know, we built relationships with the other coaches, right. And we've had conversation. Um, but Chimdi, I think Chimdi has, you know, I think we've done our good job with Chimdi, just how to manage it, right. How to talk to people and to make sure that he notified each coach what was going on um, before Wednesday. I didn't want it to be like a big, um, you know, a spectacle, if you want to call it that. And um, just make sure we do it the right way um, and treat people. I want people to still come back in this building and recruit Dundalk High School. Um, you know, with me here and beyond when I'm, you know, when I decide to go on. Um, so that was important. Um, but to, yesterday he was giddy. He was excited. He had a big grin on his face all day. The, the students, so no one else knew but me, Chimdi, his parents, and then the other coaches that had been notified. Um, so it was pretty cool. Like everyone, you know, walk around school, hey, Jim, where are you going? Where are you going? I bet it's this school. I bet it's this school. Um, it was pretty cool. Um, and I know Chimdi was eating it up. You know, he was excited, you know, um, Six six, he's the biggest kid walking the hallway. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. He was excited, he definitely. But as far as the process, um, he handled it great. He's methodical. He's intelligent. He 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 may not make a lot of um, verbal assurance that he's listening, but he's he's listening and he's taking mental note. Um, and then he processes it all at once, and he comes out with like this really mature response. And you're like, where'd that come from, right? So, mm. um, the whole process, though, you know, like I said, packing it in and you know a two year pro- a process in in a month. Um, I think he handled it great, and so did his family. That was a lot to do, take in at one time. We'll have the next few years to evaluate him as an offensive lineman, but can we talk about the, the complete package that Penn State is adding here, uh, including you know his character and including what he did uh, away from the football field that lends some of those you know evidence that he is a high-level, elite-level kind of uh, a talent as an athlete. We talked a lot about Javen Williams, who's a five-star in this class, and he set a, a shot putt record uh, for uh, Pennsylvania as a junior. They got another shot put and discus champion coming from Maryland, state champ in both those events. So give us the lowdown on Chimdi Ono, not just the offensive line. Uh, so Chimdi Ono, as the as Chimdi Ono, just, just the, the student athlete, um, great kid, comes from a great family. Um, Miss Ono is a is wonderful lady. He's got 
uh, two older sisters and, a, and an older brother. Um, so Chimdi's the baby of the family, um, but he's a tremendous young man. Um, while he's a three-sport athlete here at Dundalk High School, um, he's also enrolled in like our magnet program, which is like, um, it's called Silas Point Technical. And he's taken like JavaScripting and AP Calc and all types of stuff. So he's a very intelligent kid. Um, but on top of all of that great stuff, you know, he had a job all through high school, um, you know, played three sports, had these honor level, you know, higher level classes, um, and then still found time to work out and do everything. I remember, I remember vividly, he used to ride a bike to practice and he'd have his shoulder pads and his helmet on his bike. And it was pretty, pretty crazy to watch. So as a kid, an awesome kid, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, as a football player, um, you're going to get someone, again, very intelligent, um, wants to learn, eager to learn, wants to be coached, um, wants to be great. Um, now that he sees that, when he really saw that he could be something special here in football and, and in this sport, that he's it's really blossomed for him. Um, he's going to be physical. He's going to be nasty. I think he, I think one of his strengths is his down his down blocking ability. Um, as you guys have probably seen on film, he's he's very physical to the point of attack. Um, he's got great bend um, in the hips and in the legs uh, to being able to pass that um, or you know turn and change direction if you needed. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great things about about Chimdi. Um, so yes, he's he's a project though. I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and say, oh, he's going to come in day one and start. No, Chimdi. Chimney needs work, and he's. I'm excited for him to get with Penn State and um, you know work with some tremendous coaches. Um, but he's ready for that too. He's a very humble kid. He's ready to work. He's ready to do his time um, and just work hard. That's what he's going to be there. Great assessment, and I'll leave you with this one, Coach. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, we're, we're looking ahead to him getting to campus, but he's got a few months between now and then. I know you're going to be keeping a close watch on him on a daily basis, essentially. What's kind of on that checklist that, that Penn State has laid out uh, between them and him for, for how they'd like to, to get him on campus this summer so he's ready to hit the ground running? As soon as they can get him. As soon as he's graduated or we're done with his classes, I think he's going up. Um, mm -hmm. We just We just talked today. Um, we're trying to figure out the best time for him to get up there, whether it's the end of May, um, you know, early June, or if he can come mid-May and, and start that, you know, the summer semester at Penn State. Um, I just don't know where we are right now. I have to do some – I actually need – that's my next stop after this talk is the guy in office, just to figure out where we are with him. Um, I mean, he's going to be fine. He's going to graduate and everything. There's no issues. Great, great kid. Um, just a matter of time of when our school is over. So Maryland, for whatever reason, we just keep going back later or getting out later and later and later. And I'm like, what is going on? But um, <laughs> I think graduation is June 10th. Um, but I don't like I think our students are done end of May. But I'm not positive on that. So I have to get more information. But that's the timeline. As soon as they can get him, he's coming up. He will be up. Awesome. Um, there will be no hesitation. And he's ready to go. And he was like, Coach, I'm ready to go now. I'm like, all right, well, relax. You got to graduate first, buddy. So. Well, I know it can take a village to, to get these young men to this point where they're at, about to make the leap. You've been a big part of that process. Uh, Coach Tom Abel from Dundalk High School. Thanks for the time. Uh, get over to that guidance counselor's office, and, and congrats to you on a great signing day. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to talk to me, Tyler. I do appreciate it, and um, look forward to seeing everyone at Beaver Stadium for Jim to hear soon. There you go. Take care. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We'll get into more on Shimdi Ono right now with Tyler Calvaruso, who is tracking this recruitment down the final stretch. This was a game that we, a name that we were fixated on for the last several weeks as Penn State was trying to add to their recruiting class, and the name at the forefront was Ono. And Tyler Calvaruso, yet again, we talk about uh, this offensive lineman out of Maryland, but this time there's finality to it. He is going to be a Nittany Lion, committed and signed on on Wednesday and ultimately a fourth blue chip member of this offensive line pro, uh, class put together by Phil Troutline. Yeah, after months of talking about it, finally a done deal in favor of Penn State. So this was a battle Penn State fought, I feel, from the top for pretty much from the start. Pretty much as soon as Phil Troutline made his way down to Maryland, got to Dundalk and verified those measurements and made sure everything with Chimdy checked out, I feel like Penn State was pretty much in the pole position. I give Rutgers a lot of credit for what it accomplished when it got Chimdy on campus for an official visit in December. I mean, we're talking about a situation where he gave some thought to signing during that early signing period and kind of shutting things down. And I think that speaks volumes for a late riser to that. He, he had such a good official visit that he gave that consideration, but Penn state was able to get him on campus first in January before Michigan state and Ole Miss. I think that was pretty big. At the end of the day, I think there was a lot of momentum for Penn State coming out of that visit, and Michigan State and Ole Miss, while they did a good job with him, never really matched that during their official visits. I think Penn State wound up being Chimdy's best official. That wound up being a big deal for him. His relationship with Phil Trotwin was a big deal. And look, when you can rebound from missing on the likes of Evan Link, Flapjack Owens, Stanton Ramil with a top 24-7 tackle, a late riser who many think have a chance – to go play at the next level if he develops as expected, just given his athleticism and his physical traits. I don't think you can really ask for a better end to the cycle when it comes to the offensive line hall. We're talking about one of the better offensive line halls in the nation, in my opinion, if you really take a look at it. So great job by Penn State to lock him down, really land a high-quality player to, on National Signing Day. And now we're done with 2023, man. It's on to 2024. <laughs> Yeah, and you've, you've got a crystal ball pick in there. We'll get to that in a second, but I still want to focus here on, on this pickup because, as you mentioned, I mean, to, to, to culminate this offensive line class, and there was there were some uh, roller coaster ride moments where you know things went awry or seemingly went awry, but to get to the finish line, you've already got three of them on campus working with your program, getting ready for spring practice. Javen Williams, a five-star prospect, who a potential prodigy kind of uh, tackle or, or for you, maybe could play guard. We'll find that out as his career goes forward. Alex Birchmeyer evaluated for a long time as the premier interior offensive lineman by 24-7 Sports, although James Franklin says his initial start will come at tackle. And, and then he's a top 100 prospect, by the way. Spent a lot of time in that five-star territory. And then Anthony Donko, not to be overdone. He's a four-star guy. He got that four-star label during his senior season when Chimdi Ono was building his case for his eventual rise. He gets into the top 24-7. And this is all coming off of the heels of a season where Penn State took three, four, five maybe steps forward in their efforts to build an offensive line room that can compete for a Big Ten championship and keep you afloat during difficult times of the season when your depth gets tested. So Phil Troutwine, we talked about it earlier this week when Jalen Matthews kicked off the 2025 class, Tyler Calvaruso. 
but the aura around him, whatever you want to call it, the buzz, the discussions, the noise, it is so different than it was last February or even last August, where we are right now sitting here February 2nd, 2023. Aura is a good word. I like aura. I think that I think that describes we'll go with entire, that. I, I think that describes this pretty perfectly because it's not that recruits doubted Phil Trotwin before this past season and seeing what Penn State's offensive line could do. I think it was just a situation where Penn State's offensive line wound up performing at such a level where it really opened recruits' eyes to what Phil Trotwin could do from a development standpoint. He formed good relationships with a lot of kids on the trail throughout the cycle and past cycles, but you know, there were instances where that didn't result in commitments because there maybe was some hesitancy about the direction of Penn State's offensive line. I don't think those questions exist anymore. I think we're talking about a group that is among the better in the Big Ten and that showed this past season and that paid dividends in recruiting. I, I tweeted it yesterday once Ono signed. If you go look at his recent run on the trail, we're talking about five top 24-7 prospects. Javon Williams is a five-star. Jalen Matthews in 2025 is a top 100 kid who, quite frankly, if he keeps going the way he's going, we might be talking about a top 50 kid who rises similarly to Williams, right? You know, there's a long way to go with him, but he has that kind of ceiling. That's something we talked about earlier in the week. So Phil Trotwin's got his guys, man. He really does. And the foundation is there. It, it was pretty clearly set forth this past season. And the room's going to keep getting better if he keeps recruiting at this level. I mean, in 2024, Cooper Cousins, you're starting with him as your foundational piece. You, you, how can you ask for a better start in that regard on the offensive line? So Trotwin is definitely trending in the right direction. And Penn State's offensive line, the ceiling just keeps getting higher and higher for that unit. Well, we've learned a lot about Jim D uh, through the first 20 minutes or so of this podcast. We'll move forward, but there's a bunch of coverage over at lines247.com uh, right now about Ono and his addition, uh, what he brings, and, and also this offensive line class. I spent some time on Wednesday writing down some thoughts about what Phil Troutwine has been able to accomplish and what they've got stockpiled in that room. I've also mentioned this before in the podcast, but all these recruits we're talking about, the three guys are on board, and now Ono a little bit later in the year. They're joining a group that has six players who started – at least five games apiece last year. Competition is going to be at a completely different level. The experience is going to be at a different level. And thus, you'd imagine the depth chart will be at a different level, despite the losses of Juice Krugs and Bryce Effner this offseason. Uh, Tyler, you, you spent some time breaking down uh, your final thoughts on the offensive recruiting class. And, and let's get into that right now. We just addressed the offensive line group, but Everybody else signed December, so we're going to rehash some stuff maybe we discussed in the uh, after the early signing period. But when you when you did that and, and got that up for a, a Thursday morning story on lines247.com, what stood out to you as you kind of refreshed yourself on this group? I think what really stands out to me about this group, I mean, first, the thing that really catches my eye is the tight end room and what Penn State was able to accomplish with that position this cycle. Andrew Rappelier went from being an elite-level athlete who was, you know, just merely lining up at tight end and playing the position and producing at a high level while playing the position, but still learning what it means to be a tight end at a high level. He went from being that elite athlete to an elite athlete who understands the nuances of the position and what it takes to be a successful tight end at the next level. That was a pretty big thing with his development throughout his senior year at Milton Academy. So he's gotten to that point and he has jumped up in the rankings as a reflection of that. And I think we're talking about a player who has a real chance to make an early impact at Penn State. I know it's a crowded tight end room. I understand yeah. that. But I, I think that there's a lot of upside there that might come to fruition sooner rather than later with him because he's just – he's shot up so quickly in his development. His trajectory is just really sky high at this point. And then Joey Schlaffer's a guy 
I think he could really outplay his ranking. You know, we, we got him around, I believe he has an 86 rating, mid-three-star kind of guy. He had a big senior year, big offseason, got a lot faster and really improved his athletic profile. Penn State staff really liked that. He's going to come to Happy Valley and be a leader. That's the one thing I've been hearing about him throughout his, his high school career. Straight leader. Guys gravitate to him. He's going to be respected in the locker room, going to be respected in the tight end room. Ty Howell's always going to be happy to have that kind of a guy around, you know, just someone who leads by example, can take charge when he has to. That's Joey Schlaffer. And then Mega Barnwell. I mean, we'll see where he ends up, but do you doubt James Franklin and Ty Howell when it comes to developing tight ends at this point? You know, if, if they can see Mega playing that position, they'll get to work with him, and we'll see what happens there. I wrote that in the article. Tight end might not be where he ends his career as an any line, but it's going to be where he's got his first crack at producing. And then at quarterback, man, I mean, I remember when Marcus Stokes flipped we came on here and we talked a about long, long, long time ago. A lot has At least it feels like then. it. Yeah. A lot has happened. And I remember coming on here and we were talking about it not really coming at the best time for Penn State, given that a lot of the top 2023 20, quarterbacks were committed elsewhere. And then Jackson Smollett comes along at the Elite 11 and kind of alleviates all of Penn State's problems hmm. in that regard. And I think, you know, even before everything happened with Stokes and, you know, during his commitment to Florida, I think Penn State got the right guy from a culture perspective, especially. I, th I think Smolik is just a better fit at Penn State, and he had a better senior season than Stokes. I mean, that's really just the fact that if you compare the numbers and you compare the tape, Penn State got a quarterback who is at a better place in his development. So those are the two things that really stood out to me just from the 2023 group. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a quality group, man, on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to have some analysis on the defensive side of the ball coming up here on line 24-7 soon. But, you know, guys like London Montgomery, Cameron Wallace, Melo Taylor, you know, they might be fine under the radar a little bit right now. But, again, potential high-impact players. So, really across the board, a quality haul for the Nittany Lions this cycle. I mean, I don't think Penn State would swap back those quarterbacks by no. any means right now. And, no. and, and they've got a guy in Jackson Smolik now who's – He's he's now in his second month on campus. He's getting acclimated because of the numbers at quarterback. He very well may be in a situation where he is practicing with the varsity and traveling to every game and you know, a play or two away from being involved in games. That's just the nature of, of how that room is right now with scholarship numbers. Uh, but quickly going back to the tight end spot, one thing about Rapplier that I have to remind myself, and I've seen some readers, uh, some some, uh, some folks on the message board also commenting about Rapplier, He's the one tight end who's not yet on campus, and that's yep. not going to happen until after spring practice. And I know we saw guys like Abdul Carter and Drew Shelton uh, show up here in the summer and, and play a ton of football in the fall, but that's a difficult task for anyone. Shelton would not have done that if not for Olu Fashionu's injury. And, and of course, uh, when you're looking at tight end, you mentioned it, the crowded room. You do lose Brenton Strange, who had a fantastic year overall, but it was really the Theo Johnson show in terms of productivity during the second half of the 2022 season. Tyler Warren returns. He's played a ton of football. And then you've got uh, Khalil Dinkins in year three, Jerry Cross in year two. So we've got a lot to learn. You throw in uh, Schlaffer and also Barnwell for now at tight end. And by the way, we've been freezing around Barnwell's eventual position long term since he committed after his freshman year on the show. So it's nothing new, and it's still happening now that he's enrolled. Uh, but great review at lines247.com. And I want to finish with the running backs, though, before we get away from that topic, because you talked about it. Uh, London Montgomery coming off of a lost season to finish his high school career. A lot that you like about his prospect profile, but what can you count on in year one? It feels to me that everyone on this offensive list 
the one guy who might be called into action to do more than people might anticipate is Cameron Wallace, because right now there's so much focus on Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. But then you remember, keep going down the list and everybody else is a walk on in that roster right now in the running back room. Cam Wallace comes in as a guy who drew power five level interest on the defensive side of the football at wide receiver a bit, and clearly at running back. And I think when you look at the athletic, uh, the athletic profile here, it says a lot. But what I don't love about it is he's not getting to campus until the summer as well. And I know Jay Juan Sutter, if you want to play football for him, you got to know a lot of things aside from knowing how to hold the ball and run with it. And I just wonder how many of those kind of gaps can he fill in, Cameron Wallace, between the start of August and the start of your season when West Virginia comes to town on September 2nd. On the surface, Tyler, doesn't maybe seem like a big deal because you've got two all Big Ten, maybe all American caliber running backs returning as sophomores. But we've seen this running back room fall apart because of medical issues in the past. And this is a position that it's just a part of the beast when you are a running back that the bumps and bruises are going to wear you down a bit. So I think we just got to keep a close look on Cameron Wallace, not to put London Montgomery down, but maybe putting him on the back burner for now until he's able to complete his rehabilitation process. No, man, it's a good point because, you know, it is a big deal. Because well, what happens if Katron out and Nick Sullivan or one of them goes down? You know, God forbid both of them go down. Where are you left at at running back? You know, London Montgomery, Penn State's not going to rush him back to the field before he's ready. He's coming back from an ACL. So that kind of leaves Cam Wallace as the guy. And him arriving in the summer, it doesn't just really put him in behind the eight ball from like a schematic perspective with Cider. He's got some catching up to do in the weight room as well. He, mm -hmm. he, he, he does need to get stronger. That's something that we really talked about him when we were evaluating him right off the bat. And that's not to say he's going to be sitting around, you know, during the spring leading up to his arrival at Penn State doing nothing. He's going to be grinding in the weight room for sure. But there's a difference between doing that and getting in a Penn State level strength and conditioning program. You know, Penn State's going to hope that there's not really an instance where Wallace is relied upon to carry a heavy workload out of the backfield as his freshman year, they, they love him. They, they love his versatility. They love his speed. He's a guy, you get him the ball, let him make a play. But at the end of the day, he does have some growing to do physically, and he does need to get up to speed. So it's a very interesting Rounding out. Game. I mean, isn't, he needs rounding out yes. as a running back, I would say. Yes. But, I mean, you could say the same thing about a guy like Kevon Lee a few years ago, and because of the injuries, he ended up being the leading rusher for this team as a true freshman in 2020. So, again, you got to be careful. <laughs> you do, man. And, and hey, look, you know, we're talking about Montgomery. We're counting, and I just said, you know, Penn State's not going to rush him back if he's not 100% healthy, you know, but maybe he could rehab quicker than a lot of people think. There's a lot of optimism about his rehabilitation process and how that's going to come along. And he was testing really well before he did go down. So there's still yeah. a lot of excitement about him, you know. He kind of wound up becoming the forgotten man on the offensive side of the ball in this class just because of the injury and him missing his senior season. And we didn't really have a lot to talk about with him, but there's still a lot of optimism surrounding him. You know, in-state kid, tested well, high ceiling, does a lot of good things for you out of the backfield. So while he might not be, you know, a big contributor in year one, who knows, maybe he gets back on the field sooner than we think. But yeah, running back right now of all the positions in the 2023 class, I would say probably the most interesting dynamic, even more so than wide receiver because – even though Carmelo Taylor was the only signee at the position, you know, Penn State shared the position up through the, through the portal. So running back would be my pick as the most interesting dynamic of the class.
Yeah, and James Franklin told us on signing day back in December that he felt like London Montgomery was primed to go put up 3,000 rushing yards as oh, a yeah. senior. And he said that with a straight face because London Montgomery was well over 2,000 yards I agree, as man. a junior. And just to give folks some perspective on the timeline here, Montgomery suffered his injury during a preseason scrimmage. So that was last August. We're not talking about a midseason or late season injury. Yeah. Uh, but but again, you don't want to speculate. That, you know, He's only about halfway through this recovery process, if, if, if that. So we don't want to speculate too far there. Just some things to keep in mind. One thing we didn't mention, Marcus Stokes did find a home for the 2023 college football season. He ended up signing with West Florida after all was said and done on Wednesday. That is a Division II program uh, that won the national championship at that level a few years ago. Tyler, as you said, we quickly steered the spotlight over to 2024. I mean, let's be honest, that group has really been in the spotlight all of January since the early signing period with Jim Diono as kind of the man on the side. But you took a move, and, and you don't do this lightly, to put in a crystal ball pick. This is a class in 2024 uh, that has Cooper Cousins. He's been on board for more than a year, a top 24-7 offensive lineman out of Erie. Picked up one of the uh, state's premier defensive prospects in Anthony Specka out of Pittsburgh, a linebacker who committed in January. And now you're forecasting another addition. Yeah, Kenny Wosley out of Philly, you know, the Imitep cornerback. We got him as a composite four-star. He was on campus last weekend for the junior day. And it was a very good return trip for Penn state in the sense that he was sold more on off the field opportunities and what Penn state has to offer beyond football. Cause he's been very well aware of what his role would be in the Nittany lions defense, where if he were to take his talents to happy Valley, he would have the chance to play on the outside. He's a guy who could potentially play in the nickel. He, he's just a player who could do a lot of different things for you in your secondary. And that's a pitch that he has liked from the Penn State staff. Now, last weekend, he gets a closer look at, you know, the overall campus, the academic side of things, just how he would be supported overall as a student athlete, and all real positives coming out of that. So, yeah, and you said it, I really don't do this lightly. You know, I don't like to log crystal ball picks early, but I feel that Penn State right now, is in a really good spot compared to the rest of the competition. That says a lot because he's got a pretty good offer list. You know, you, you go on 24-7 sports, you check that out. It's loaded, man. It's got yeah. a lot of really high-level Power 5 programs there. So for Penn State to be in that top spot right now, that's where you want to be. And I'm not really expecting movement with him until the spring. I think he's going to narrow down to a top five. That's something that he has mentioned. But Penn State – is in a pretty prominent place in his recruitment right now. I think Michigan's one to keep an eye on. He seems kind of interested in that new Nebraska staff, getting to know more about them. So I think the Huskers are a little bit of a player there. But Penn State, I would put them in the top spot right now. And I think that's important on multiple levels. If he does come to Penn State, you're not only talking about adding a quality player to your secondary, you're talking about getting back involved at a top-tier program in Philadelphia. That's a big mm -hmm. deal. So that's something that Penn State would like to accomplish. And – potentially adding Wosley would be beneficial on multiple fronts. And for those keeping track at home, that's two big wins on the recruiting trail uh, in Philadelphia this week. One is Tyler Calvaruso putting the crystal ball in for, for Kenneth Wosley. The other is Dion Barnes mm. uh, being retained on the staff. And he is so vital as a connection on the recruiting trail uh, to Philadelphia, where he once started as a high schooler and coached as a defensive coordinator at Northeast high um, Tyler, 2024 name to know as well as you documented in one of your early week tidbits up on the site. And if our listeners 
aren't also reading your work on the site, I encourage them to do that. Tyler's tidbits is a great staple of our coverage up there. Several of those going up on the week, oftentimes very early in the morning, great way to wake up and, and have that with your coffee. And one of the names you mentioned, along with Mosley, who's another in-state prospect to know, and they've done nice work here locally in the 2024 cycle thus far. But coming all the way up from Mississippi, Jamonte Walker, and you thought it was worth mentioning that he went home pretty impressed. Yeah, so he arrived at Penn State already kind of really excited to learn more because Michael Parsons, is, is he's his favorite player. So, you know, there's, there's that kind of immediate intrigue into Penn State, given what Parsons was able to accomplish during his career here. And then he gets there, and he gets to know the staff a little bit better. He gets to familiarize himself with the campus and the facilities and, you know, all the bells and whistles that come along with the junior day experience. And Penn State is an, another school that he's heavily considering at this point. I, I think that – I think when you can get a guy – and I said this earlier. When, when you could get a guy from Mississippi up to Penn State in the winter when he's in the heart of SEC country and has SEC offers – He's got opportunities mm -hmm. to go play in the SEC. He could easily go to the junior days down there, and that would be that, and no one would bat an eye. But no, he's choosing to come up to Penn State and check things out. That speaks to his interest, and that interest is mutual. You know, there's a lot of activity right now at linebacker with guys like Anthony Specka, you know, he's committed. <laughs> Jeremiah Beasley anointing Penn State as his top school coming out of the junior day visit. He's a top 24-7 backer from Michigan. Chris Jones, you know, from Virginia, he's a top 100 prospect, very high on Penn State. Aaron Chiles from Maryland, high on Penn State. So there's a lot going on at linebacker right now. That board's very fluid. And Waller's on it, and he's high on it. So this is going to be a situation you got to monitor pretty closely moving forward. You know, will it be tough to pull him out of SEC country? Yeah, sure. Just, you know, he's got opportunities to play down there, and there, he's got an opportunity to play at a high level. So I expect him back during the spring. That, that's what I've been hearing with him. So – a return trip, I think that'd be a pretty big opportunity for Penn State. Tell me if you like this uh, junior season stat sheet uh, for Jamonte Waller, Tyler Calvaruso. 106 total tackles, 24 of them happening behind the line of scrimmage, and then 11 and a half sacks to his credit as well. So disruptive force. I know a lot of our readers were like, whoa, this film is yeah. really exciting. And it's true with Waller when you turn on that film, you can understand why he's already got those offers down to the south. The uh, SEC offers on the table for him right now, Auburn, Mississippi, Missouri, Ole Miss, South Carolina. Uh, Oregon has also offered. Interesting when they pop up in, as yeah. a national brand. But certainly Penn State, a national brand in its own right, and you're seeing them flex the muscles here and saying, hey, come up here, and a kid can, you know, converting that quickly into a visit. And, and I'll just note one more thing. You may have, based on the way he's playing, another 12, 15 years of players coming to campus and saying Micah Parsons is their favorite player. We've heard it in the past with Saquon Barkley and that resonating with some of the running backs who committed here over the years. You ride this Micah Parsons momentum as much as you can. He was in the house for Penn State's wrestling match last weekend, so he is a big part of the community. And, uh, you know, walk these linebackers and defenders right by his All-American plaque there in team facilities, and that should do wonders for you. Tyler, what else do we have cooking right now before we say goodbye and wrap up this episode? 2024, clearly in the spotlight. This is the first Saturday in what four weeks where you're not going to have to be keeping the pulse of a Penn state junior day. So I hope you have something nice planned up beyond that in your life. But what, what do you got in the next few days that people can expect to see on the site? 
2024 in the spotlight. Still got to put that ball in 2023 with the defensive breakdown of the class. So that's going to be coming soon along as 24-7. And really, uh, it's what I've been saying since the beginning of the winter. We're just going to keep diving into the depths of that 2024 board, really going by position by position, seeing how Penn State feels about certain kids. You know, there are a lot of names that are being tossed around on our board right now. There's a lot of discussion about where Penn State's going to go with certain guys in 2024. And there's a lot of excitement because it looks like this is going to be another high-level class. You're already off to a really good start with Cousins and Specka. So... Who's next? How do we keep building? That's what Penn State fans are wondering right now. We've got the answers online 24-7, so I encourage you guys to keep tuning into the pod, man. And If you're not on the board, get in and check it out. There's a lot of good stuff going on right now. That's right. Who's next? Tyler Calvaruzzo has you hooked up with those answers. And, and you've been a rock star since joining our team at Lions 24-7 uh, last spring, uh, last summer. Um, and, and it feels like we've accomplished a lot together and we look forward to seeing what we can do next, man. But uh, but thanks for hopping on the podcast and you know tying things up here, 2023 class. Uh, covered. You were all over with Chimdi and, and down the stretch with this class. So appreciate the insight here and we'll talk to you real soon. Looking forward to it, man. All right, Tyler Calvaruso, catch all of his content over at lines247.com along with my colleagues Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallen. Uh, we are back with a couple more episodes next week. Between now and then, we'll have a lot going on at lines247.com regarding uh, this recruiting class in 2023, some, some final thoughts coming out of signing day, also a look ahead toward 2024, 2025 prospects, and we've got a lot going on with basketball coverage and, of course, uh, team breakdowns. I got some snap count coverage up from this past season, uh, reviewing some of the uh, nitty-gritty details about how Penn State worked in players and, and uh, youth and, and all this different stuff as we parse our way through an 11-2 and two Penn State campaign and start to really set the stage for spring practices opening up in about five, six weeks from now, if you can believe it. So for now, we're stepping aside. Uh, big thanks to all of our guests here on today's Lions 24-7 podcast. We know a lot more about Chimney. Oh, no, now. I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.